0: Hey, folks, Tom and Keith thanking you for tuning in each and every week to listen to Front Row Knowles via the podcast. And a special thank you to the folks at the Dunlap Champions Club for their continued support of this podcast. A great
1: place to watch Florida State ball game. a great place to have a good time. Remember, you can access the club on Friday night. You
0: can go there on Saturday. You can repeat it on Sunday, an entire weekend of events whether it's for personal fandom or if you want to entertain clients employees social groups uh, there's different packages available you can get a single game uh, ticket experience as well and just sample it uh, at one game this year some new features too uh, from year one they've got misters and fans in there and they also are really emphasizing uh, flavorful food but with a local connection local tie expanded food opportunity john rivers of four rivers will be there preparing uh, also you can get bradley sausage for those of you that remember that how, how do they get more information they can get more information by calling uh, 850-644-1830 option one or you can visit fsuclubseats.com thanks again to them and enjoy this week's front row knolls We are back for another week. Front Row Knowles, Tom Block, Keith Jones. KJ, good to see you. You too. You too. It has been a tough week in terms of the world view and uh, the U.S. view, and we won't focus on that other than to say our hearts and thoughts and prayers are with the folks in Las Vegas and also in Puerto Rico as they continue to uh, clean up. And uh, we'll keep it focused to Florida State, uh, KJ, and there's cleanup to be done there too, certainly after that Wake Forest uh, game. But – Spinning it the other way, it's FSU Miami, and if we just start there, you and I could reminisce for the next, probably until kickoff, Correct about stories of FSU if, Miami. If, I, if you would prompt me so that I could remember. <laughs> well, and you know, each each week that passes, I come closer to that category too. Understood. 31-30 is the all-time series in favor of Miami, and so as Your a... St- scored are real close too, aren't they? I think so, and as a starting point... So this series began in 1951. Florida State has never led in the series, and the last time it was tied, if I'm not mistaken, was before they had played a game. So this is as close as FSU has been. They're going for eight in a row, and that's sort of a subplot to the bigger picture that is, how do we get this Florida State team back on track? But it's been a very even series. It's kind of gone in phases. Miami's had its run. Florida State's had its run right now, you know, and back and forth. Right now, obviously, it's FSU seven in a row. But heartbreak has been... That's probably the word that best describes it from the Florida State standpoint if you summed it up in one word from a historical look.
1: Heartbreak in terms of kicks, and in in one specific case, the same for for Miami when they muffed a a field goal attempt. Heartbreak in terms of the decision whether to kick or go for two. Uh, That's happened at least twice, one of them I played in. Uh, So it's been a close rivalry for for a 15- or 20-year period. Um, whoever won that game had a what a 33% chance of winning the national championship because over a 20 year period there were seven national championships between the two schools. Um, and, and it's been something that was been noted from a, a national standpoint. Uh, I get asked quite often, and most uh, FSU fans are familiar, the rivalry with Florida is a borderline hatred. You know, based on how that series really got started, and etc. The the rivalry with Miami is out of respect uh, for two reasons. Number one. overall, Miami with a one-game lead in the series. And secondly, the number of players they've played against or with each other because of the talent-rich South Florida area. So it is a rivalry game. So as we begin this program, there's two weeks during the year when it really doesn't matter what the team record is, what the trajectory is up or down. It is a rivalry game. And you can throw all of the history, all of the current, out the window. Because uh, it doesn't matter. Anything can happen Saturday beginning at 3.36, 3.37, wherever we kick. Uh, obviously, we're not going to leave it at that. We'll, we have a few things we want to talk about. But
0: that is a foundational part of a rivalry game. Does not have the luster nationally. Not that it used to. This was going to be a primetime game had it not been pushed back or had Florida State beaten NC State pretty sure we'd still be in the prime time instead we're at 330 thought it was interesting on social media the yesterday or the day before i think it was yesterday mark rick had his press conference there wasn't one local tv station from miami covering it according to the tweet i saw i didn't verify that but we know twitter is pretty sound in everything that it puts out there much, so like, the just, yeah, much, much like the much internet much like much like the internet so i'm just going to go with that but the point being, there there was a time where where this – and it really was that time you just referenced. I mean uh, from the, throughout the 80s and into the early 90s, 85 to 95, that window before Miami got some probation issues there in the, in the mid to late 90s. It really was. And and by
1: the way, going back to your reference about the Mark Rick uh, press conference, to be fair, it's because Derek Jeter and company had something going on announcing the closure right. of the Marlins
0: sale. So uh, it still makes for good Twitter feed. Another interesting – Part of this rivalry has been that there's often more so for Florida State because FSU always has six, eight, 10, 12, 15 Dade County guys, whatever the number is, who've played a big role. And so they're beating their hometown team. You can think about Devontae Freeman, Jimbo's first year. I think it was Rodney Smith who caught a touchdown pass and he was from Miami. And so this year, you've got Matthew Thomas, who's a Miami kid. And boy, did he ball out against Wake Forest. And it just begs, as I think about it, I'm thinking, What might he do this week? Not, not to and, mention
1: that we need him to do
0: not to way. mention that the quarterback James Blackman is from Belglay. that's not Dade County but it's South Close Florida, enough. sort of in the the state of Miami as Howard called it back in the day when Miami won its first national title so that those are all the subplots that add into this yeah
1: now if you, if you go fast forward and talk about what happened Saturday up in Winston and some of the things that uh, are being talked about you know I, I jotted down a couple of ideas that that I think we're at the point sitting here at one and two and, and in danger of being one and three, we'll talk more about the Miami game specifically, Um, we've now reached the point where we've got to look at systemic and organizational issues, period, the end. Uh, Any of us that have been involved in business has heard the age-old thing. Our listeners are very familiar with what is the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. We've got to quit doing the same thing over and over again, and it begins now. I like the opportunity that Miami presents because as we've talked in the past, there is legitimate criticism even of Coach Bowden and his staff that during Miami week they would they would all get nervous and get tight and, and they'd be very conservative. They would play not to lose as opposed to playing to win. Jimbo, to his credit, has never been like that. Obviously, the 13-1 record against Miami and Florida combined during his tenure as a head coach speaks to that. So I like that aspect of it. We may see an offense that comes out with a little more aggression uh, relative to getting the ball down the field. But something needs to change, and this is a great week to implement and begin implementing some of that change.
0: You're sort of talking about two things. You're talking about more creativity or doing some things differently on the field, But then also when you say systemic, you're talking about teaching it differently or, you know. um, I I had a person give me this illustration.
1: I can't take credit for it. But when it comes to communication, there's three aspects of communication. There's the person communicating. There's the way the message is delivered. And there's the message. Well, let's take the offensive line. The communicator of that is Coach Rick Trickett. Okay, that's not going to change during the year. That may or may not change at the end of the year, but it's not going to change in Miami week. It's not going to change during the season in 2017. So we can rule that out. Style of communication. We can critique how that is done, whether it's fire and brimstone or whether it's Tony Dungy or anywhere in between. But that needs to be looked at because that can be changed today. Thirdly, what is being communicated can be changed today. I'm I'm tired. I'm absolutely tired of of having 17 tackles for a loss when about 15 of them was a defensive lineman that only had a hand put on him. Get some freaking hats on somebody. Tell your offensive lineman, block the man in front of you, block the man on your left shoulder, or block the man on your right shoulder. I don't care if you get 17 tackles for a loss because a superior athlete on the other side of the ball pushed your butt four yards back and you run into Patrick or Cam Akers, okay? But I want somebody in front of him. I don't want him going through there having a hand put on him. So if that's zone blocking, then screw zone blocking. We're going back to man blocking. If that was man blocking, then screw man blocking. Go back to zone. Whatever we're doing, change
0: it. You know, this started out as a nice, conversation. And if you're feeling the way Keith Jones is at this moment in time, I suggest you head on down to our good friends at Madison Social or Centrale. Maybe see what the happy hour special is. Are there any donuts anywhere? Ask them to open the tap. If you you don't uh, want to have a cocktail, you can go to Soto. Grab some donuts. You'll feel better. And your waistline will show it. Do you feel better at the moment? No, I do not. I know that's that's kind of the way most of us are, and we'll see how we feel on Saturday. Uh, and either way, there'll there'll still be room to grow. It'll either be a lot or a little no at that point. It. Yes, uh, we will talk Miami Hurricanes football with the voice of the Canes, Joe Zagacki, coming up. He joins us each and every year. Good guy, Joe has been the voice of the Canes for a long time, so we look forward to that conversation. That's coming up on the other side, right here on Front Row Knowles. Back on Front Row Knowles, Tom and Keith with you on this Wednesday. It is Miami, Florida State Week, and we are really pleased to have the voice of the Canes, Joe Zakaki, join us via the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. Joe, how are you? I'm good. How are you guys? Good. It's always good to talk to you because it means the big game is on tap. But before we get into that, I I do want to ask, how is South Florida, how is the University of Miami uh, in general in light of uh, Hurricane Irma?
3: You know, I think we're pretty good in South Florida now if we could just get somebody to pick up all the debris. <laughs> Whatever neighborhood you go to, there's still uh, mounds and mounds of debris. And then the the sidebar note to that would be uh, Mother Nature hasn't been too kind to South Florida this week. It's been uh, raining now for two straight days. And so the University of Miami was forced to move their practices to the Dolphins bubble Uh both uh, yesterday and today, they went up to the Dolphins' bubble. So once again, they can't practice on their own field.
0: <laughs> What's the time frame on the indoor facility that's uh, in the works?
3: Hopefully by, by next summer, they'll have it. That way, uh, when you have days like they've had uh, this week, you can at least start outside and go inside if the lightning detector goes off. But Coach Rick decided that it's just this week is way too important that if uh, they went out on the field and the lightning detector went off, they wouldn't be able to practice. So he just took him up to the Dolphins facility.
1: Joe, do they still work out in the morning down there? Is that yeah. something that carried over from uh, the prior regime?
3: Yep, yeah, they uh, they started at nine o'clock in the morning, try to beat the weather. And I, I don't know, Jonesy, that uh, when they get to the indoor facility, if that's if they will keep that that uh, strategy. You know, Coach Rick's always been an afternoon guy, but. Uh, he kept the the morning schedule that Coach Golden had and Coach Janin had, and primarily, it's to, to beat the weather.
1: By the way, for those of our listeners that don't know, that one of the originators of that idea was Duke. And Coach Cutcliffe, and yeah. the reason for that is being an adjunct. And Tom, you'll be an adjunct in, in the in the spring, Lord willing. <laughs> most of the most of the tenured professors prefer to teach in the afternoon. They don't like the mornings. So for particular majors, it's very difficult for the athletes to take classes when the majority of those classes are offered in the afternoon. So Cutcliffe, way back when, Coach Rick, continuing Joe, is what uh,
0: was started. They go morning sessions so the kids can go to class in the afternoon. I can remember back in the John Chaney Temple basketball heyday, they used to practice at 5 in the morning or something like that and on the front end as well. All right, Joe, the Canes are, are unbeaten. Let's start with the guy that always gets all the attention. That's the quarterback. You have to be pleased with the with the way the QB has looked this year. I mean, the numbers are really good for Malik Merzier.
3: Yeah, ecstatic so far. But you keep going through uh, every game, almost every snap with, well, I don't know if I believe in him yet. And so this would be – probably the game where if he plays well, that could validate that he is capable of holding on and sustaining this position. And I think the question with Malik Rogier is, can he sustain the consistency that we've seen in the first three games of, of this year? And then even the Duke game that he played two years ago, he's, uh, he might be one of those guys that on the practice field and the preparation, you look at him and go, well, what's he thinking about? And then you get into a game and he's a little bit of a different player. And then that's kind of been the case so far. He made a couple of throws against Duke that uh, had me coming right out of my chair. I mean, he threw a touchdown to Braxton Berrios that was just a heavenly throw. And they had a glorious throw to Amon Richards and Braxton Berrios. And accuracy was really going to be the question on him. And so far, he's been good not only throwing the football, but he gives Miami something they haven't had in a long time and something I think you need in college football today and that's a quarterback that can run, and that's going to be important against Florida State.
1: Well, Joe, he, he's got a stable of receivers to throw to. What, 14 kids have called a pass or something like that? I mean, there's there are a bunch of weapons on the offensive side for the Hurricanes.
3: Yeah, I'm wondering if they're going to distill that down. Uh, but primarily, he's got to be able to throw it to Amon Richards and Braxton Berrios. And Richards came back against Duke, and I thought, my God, uh, th- this kid – You know, sometimes, like when your your own kids you send away to camp and they come back and say, "Wow, he really they really grew." This kid in the off season, he must have had a growth spurt, but he was just so dominating against Duke. And the guy that I'm going to be interested to see, but these two freshmen, Mike Harley and Jeff Thomas, and they can really run. uh, Maybe a little bit like the guys Florida State had in the past, Bobo Wilson and Kermit Whitfield. These Harley and Thomas can really run, but. Do, do those guys
1: game? know the right direction to run?
3: Well, here's the thing: Jeff Thomas has two catches for minus two yards, so perhaps no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now the running the running game for Miami, and uh, those of us that have been around long enough know that uh, the the list of running backs for Miami uh, mine goes all the way back to OJ Anderson. But uh, I mean Walton Walton kind of fits the bill.
3: Walton, I think, is going to be right there with all the other great backs, McGee and. Uh, Frank Gore and uh, Edgerrin James. And he's really plus. He's a great kid. I mean, he is just really a spectacular kid. Uh, lost his mom in the off season, but he is uh, he is um, a guy that's got great character. Uh, so far, has run for 403 yards, three touchdowns. He's got 28 touchdowns in his career in 29 games. So he has a nose for the end zone, and he's tough. He's not going to come out of the game now. He's playing with a banged up ankle. Uh, and I think he's going to play and be okay against Florida State. But um, his toughness, I think, is something that stands out to me. If he had one extra gear, a little bit extra gear, he would probably he, – he could go down as one of the – maybe the best that Miami's ever had. But, you know, from 40 yards and in, he's probably reaching the, the end zone. From 60 yards and in, he's probably getting to the five-yard line.
0: You mentioned his ankle situation. Richards, I know, missed the first couple games. Were there any repercussions in him playing next week, or he's feeling 100% now I think with that he's game? good.
3: He did practice uh, yesterday and today, so I think he's good to go, and Walton, I think, is good to go as well. Um, you know, There was some concern with Richards because of the hamstring, and you know, those things are a little, you never know, but uh, he made it through the Duke game, and I thought he, he looked really good running, and he's had two good days of uh, practice, so I think that would be a very uh, intriguing matchup for Florida State.
0: So I know you're not in the defensive team meeting room, but Manny Diaz, who's a Florida State alum and the defensive coordinator for the Canes, likes to bring pressure. And I just I got to think that he and the staff are salivating right now based on the tape they, they're, they're watching from Wake Forest and the fact that it's a true freshman quarterback in his third start. And obviously Florida State, uh, you know, they haven't found the right gear. They're having trouble finding A gear at some point. The clutch is stripped. So I guess what I'm asking you, Joe, is, uh, is, is confidence must be high from Coral Gables right now.
3: Well, I'm going to be a little bit diplomatic on this one. And, you know, I watched the Wake Forest game, and you, but then you watched the Alabama game, and you go, okay, you know, they they, they, they were punching pretty good with Alabama. And then uh, when they lost uh, Kelly in the Wake Forest game, uh, they seemed to struggle with that. But to, really to answer your question, I don't know if they're salivating, but I do know this, that if Miami's defensive line doesn't play well in this game, they're not going to win, that this is a game where, and there's been a lot of hype on this defensive line. Chad Thomas, Kendrick Norton, R.J. McIntosh, Joe Jackson. And if they can't, one, stop the run, and, and number two, uh, put Blackman in a position where they got to put him through you know, a, a hurricane torture chamber of getting after him and hitting him the way they got after Francois last year, uh, if they're not controlling the line of scrimmage, the Miami defensive line, I think it's going to be discouraging uh, for the Hurricanes and probably very encouraging for Florida State. But to me... That's where Miami has made up ground on Florida State over the last couple of years, and I still think Florida State roster-wise, probably a step or two ahead of Miami. But if the Hurricanes have leveled the playing field anywhere, it most likely is the depth of their front seven.
1: Well, the one thing that scares Florida State faithful, and if they're not aware, it should, is that FSU is last in the country at giving up tackles for loss, and Miami averages about nine and a half a ball game.
3: Yeah, that's their bread and butter. Uh, second in the nation, and what's important about that, Jonesy, is especially if you do it on early downs, it's great to have it on third down, but you knock him back on first down in college football, that's a really good way to thwart a drive. And if Miami can uh, create those negative plays in early downs and get Blackman in in a position where he's got to drop back and throw, uh, and that kind of takes away some of Jimbo's uh, uh, mojo, I think he's an excellent play caller, but when it's 3rd and 9, and 3rd and 12, and 3rd and 14, it's a little more difficult. And uh, he's really good. I think Jimbo Fish is really good when he's got the defense on its heels with his uh, screen game or his throwbacks or the bubble screens and the reverses. If you get him into a drop-back game, uh, that's going to favor Miami.
1: Joe, I, I've never been one that says that a revenge factor or a revenge thought lasts very long. Uh, but I am one who believes that uh, losing a ball game that you think you should have won becomes a determination factor. And obviously you go back to last year's game, that blocked extra point, Florida State wins by one. This is a pretty determined, uh, I would think, staff and the returning players entering this FSU game.
3: Well, I think that's a good point. Sometimes, you know, it's hard to measure that with with kids. You know, they people always talk about the great tradition, history of Miami or yeah, I'm sure the same thing goes with Florida State players. And then you go and think, well, you know, half these kids weren't alive when some of these great Miami players were playing. But the game last year, I think, really um, sticks in the craw of a lot of these Hurricane players. And I think they've got a good uh, uh, crop of young players that have embraced the history of Miami. I think Manny D has done a good job of saying, look, if you come to Miami, there are certain expectations. If you, they are only certain kind of kids that can handle coming to Miami because the pressure is always going to be on you. And I think guys like Pickney and Quarterman and McLeod, the linebackers, they understand it. And Chad Thomas last year, if you saw his face after the game, that last drive, the Laura stayed to run out the clock. Chad Thomas made two great plays, uh, two negative plays. Uh, Maybe it was the drive before the last one, but he played his heart out. And so there are some guys on this team, Joe Jackson, that I think understand that, and I think that has been a motivating factor for them.
0: We've all been a part of this series for a long time, Joe, and to, to listen to you talk, I'm curious because when I first got involved with it was, uh, you know, the late '80s, early '90s when it was the premier rivalry, and you had wide right and Miami was just had had the, uh, you know, the upper hand, and so Florida State treated the game beat it, as a measuring stick. D- does Miami look at FSU as the measuring stick now? No,
3: I.e., a- absolutely no question. You know, Miami's been chasing Florida State for seven years, and no question about it. And every every category, Tom, recruiting, wins and losses, championships, ACC, you name it. Miami's been chasing. That's the fact. And uh, Florida State uh, has done a very good job of taking advantage of some of the things that uh, Miami went through, all the transition, all the coaches, all the upheaval. uh, Florida State has benefited from that. Uh, Florida State has had a nice calming uh, effect. Jimbo Fisher has been there. They've had consistency pretty much on their coaching staff he Has been able to implement a system. Meanwhile, Miami has been, you know, fighting off all kinds of things, whether it was uh, the fan base or changing coaches or the NCAA. Florida State had to be sitting there saying, This is just beautiful. Keep it going. And uh, they took advantage of it. Uh, you look at their roster, Florida State's roster, it's filled with five star players across the board. Miami's had to catch up. And I think Mark Rick's done a good job with the roster. I could probably, I, I think last year I looked at the roster. And and, and these are scholarship players that I'm talking about now. I looked at it and said, there are probably 30 guys on this team that will never help the University of Miami win a game. And that number is probably down to about mm, 12 now. So he's done a good job of changing the roster.
1: What's it like working with Mark?
3: Uh, It's great. You know, he's a real pro. He knows what he wants. He's very decisive. You know who the boss is. Uh, He's been a great leader. And uh, he's a proven winner. So... If anybody ever questions uh, his method, I think he's got a very simple answer, which was, he seemed to work for me at Georgia. <laughs> and, you know, he's just done a great job of, of uh, laying the groundwork, and he's got a lot of people uh, believing in him. He's got the fan base believing in him. Uh, probably more important, he's got the administration building in him, and that's why they're building this new indoor facility, and they've done a lot of other things with uh, facility and travel, and uh, they've just become a much more modern team rather than relying on hey, we're Miami. We can do it because we're Miami. Uh, Coach Rick has probably brought them into uh, uh, the modern business, the big business of college football, and now has uh, taught them whatever they need to do, this is the price of doing business, including paying assistant
0: coaches. We're talking with Joe Zagacki, the longtime voice of the Canes. Joe, what was your first year uh, or your first memory of Florida State-Miami? Not necessarily as the as the voice, but just in general.
3: <laughs> well, I'm a Floridian, Tom. I am born, born and raised here. So I can go back to, uh, to when I was a kid watching this, uh, this rivalry. I remember Miami going up to Tallahassee and winning a game uh, on a field goal. But one of the ones I remember the most is I was at the game, and Florida State, I think uh, the Daryl Mudra, Daryl uh, uh, Jones was the coach, Daryl Mudra, the transition. Florida State and Miami were both terrible. And Florida State, I think, had lost 21 games in a row and a running back by the name of Jeff Leggett, who went to Norland High School in my neighborhood, scored the winning touchdown. It might have been 73, and then he cut up a piece of the AstroTurf for the Orange Bowl. That was probably one of my first memories of it. We had to bring
1: that back for a sod game, burial.
3: That's right, yeah. I guess that tradition goes all the way back to then, back to the early 70s or so. But uh, it's been interesting how the programs have paralleled each other because they are both terrible at the same time. And then Coach Bowden and Coach Nellenberger they did a great job of promoting it, and both got better at the same time. I remember the Jim Bird game. I only remember the wins, by the way. I, play, um, I played in the Jim Burr game, by the way. Yeah, that was a hell of a game, wasn't it? 10-9. to 9, Yep. And really kind of set the standard of what was to come through the uh, 80s and the 90s.
0: The, the other commonality is that we all hate the Gators, Joe, so we have that going <laughs> for us, right?
3: <laughs> let, me, let me give you a quick story, if you have time, about sure. Coach Rick and his character. And you asked me about and I talked to him about this uh, – yesterday the 91 game i'm pretty sure it's the 91 game which was the wide right game and uh pure relation for miami and of course uh, a devastating loss at the time for florida state uh as um in those days i was the analyst so i was doing the locker room show so i get on the elevator I, uh, after every game with the miami coaches so the ga- game ends and i run out at Doe campbell stadium to get on the elevator uh except the florida state coaches are also on the elevator And so now you've got uh, the Florida State coaches on one wall and Bob Rakowski and Sonny Lubick and RTO and me on the other wall. I'm the broadcaster. Everybody's kind of looking up and around. You know, obviously the Miami coaches are giddy that they won. Florida State coaches are are kind of devastated. And Coach Rick is on there. And he, as the elevator is going down, he just steps kind of in the middle and says, hey, fellas, that was a great football game. It was just a great, great football game. It was something we should all be proud of to be a part of, and I just thought, you know, man, this guy is so cool, and uh, so I thought that was a pretty good sidebar, now we got him on our side, so I feel pretty good about it.
0: Yeah, that's a great story, and uh, there's been a lot of history between the two, like Ron Frazier, the legendary baseball coach, being an FSU alum, and of course, Leonard Hamilton's been the hoops coach here for a while, was at Miami. Uh, and I, want, I want to switch topics real quick and let you go, Joe. Just a, a, an open-ended question here, but in light of the, the basketball situation and the FBI and all that, is there any update from Miami, or is there concern that that's a tip of the iceberg with what's going on down there?
3: Yeah, it's hard to say, Tom, and it's shocking, to be quite honest with you, because obviously we just came out of a very, very serious situation. So if anybody would be towing that line, it would be absolutely absurd. Um Coach L, Jim Laronega, is one of the, and I've worked all, with all these coaches, and he's one of the finest guys I've ever come across and one of the most honest and loyal human beings I've ever been around. And I do think that even when he starts pursuing a, well, uh, a five star recruit, a, a three star recruit, one of the first questions to his staff is, what do they want? Go down the road, do they want anything? And so. To me, it's shocking. There is a story in the Miami Herald today by Michelle Kaufman that says they expect to be exonerated in this uh, situation. So I'm hopeful that it's going to turn in that direction. But uh, I just have to say, just based on him, Coach Laranega is the leader of this program. um, You know, He's just been such a fine person that it would be shocking. and, And hopefully it has a positive ending. Otherwise, it's going to be devastating.
0: All right, Joe, I, I hear your other line clicking in there. Your fan club is calling, so uh, we'll let you get running. And we'll,
3: we'll catch it's up. probably this my week. wife saying, can you go get some milk? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll see you
0: Saturday at Dope.
3: Okay. Thanks, so Joe. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.
0: Voice of the Canes, Joe Zakaki. That was uh, some good reminiscing there uh, for Noel fans. Maybe not such good reminiscing. But, you know, it, it, they'll always be hurt for the games that got away, but time sort of removes the emotional gut punch to it. And at some point you can look back and say – that 87 game, that 91 game, th- those were pretty damn good games.
1: What's interesting, too, is as you talk about those games, you find out that everyone you talked to was at that game. So there were 143,000 in Doak Campbell Stadium right. in 91 and about 168,000 in the Orange Bowl in 92 by the time you get through talking to everybody. Exactly right. All right, we'll step aside come back with
0: more on Front Row Knowles. <laughs> i better now. Are
4: you
2: Way back in the hill Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener Online at ctf.nu Here's Tom and Keith
0: Good conversation with Joe Zagacki. We see him, what, three or four times a year? See him at the ACC kickoff in July?
1: I get to see him a couple of times for basketball. Uh, great guy. Um, knows the program, is plugged into the program, and uh, just a, a guy you love sitting down, having dinner with,
0: having a beer with. He's, he's, he's good people. It is remarkable to think about. Still, Mark Ricked. and I know he played at Miami, and I know you hosted him here. You know this could have a whole different chapter if you would have done a better job when he was on his official I, I, visit. That I, I let you? him get away in '77, <clears throat> but it still seems strange to think that he's the Canes coach. And for that matter, Manny Diaz. Now, Manny is from Miami and uh, you know you go where the dad was the mayor you know you go where the coaching jobs take you but when I met Manny at Florida State he was editor of the FS View on campus and he went up and did an internship at ESPN I mean he was headed down a broadcast journalism media track and then when he came back from ESPN somehow he got connected and became a GA for I think for Chuck Amato who took him to NC State and then he bounced around and now he's at Miami but uh, Ron Dugan's is the receiver coach for Miami right now so there's just a lot of those uh, James Coley when he was on FSU staff he's not on Rick's staff now but prior to prior to went back to Miami so there's just a lot of that and uh, which adds to the rivalry. I was going to say that that's exactly why the
1: rivalry is such it's at the coaching level it's at the uh, former player level it's the current player level and uh, you know even fan bases Les Pantene who's on the the FSU Board of Trustees is a Miami native a huge supporter of South Florida but went to Florida
0: State and is on the fsu board of trustees and you can believe that he as much as anybody is hoping and a praying that number eight in a row comes saturday at three 30 he's no got to live state. with it the, literally live with it the rest of the time it did it's, just it's, uh, it's been a fantastic rivalry over the years and i look forward to another chapter. i do think this will be an entertaining football game on saturday i know florida state was depending on your level of frustration and and the size of your thesaurus, you can pick the synonym of your choice. Whether you want to go with dreadful or horrific, quick or...
1: name another word for synonym.
0: Same. Just saying. I, I don't know. That's that's. Good. I've saying. never looked it up in the thesaurus. We were talking about this in the in the uh, the first segment, Keith. And and when you look at Florida State offensively and you talk about Jimbo, Jimbo has always had a good plan against Miami. In fact maybe his best plans collectively have been against Miami. And I think back to the 2010 game, which is his first year, Florida State went down to South Florida. Miami thought they were going to Oh, well, that was going to be a four-touchdown victory. And and we walked out of there, and it was 45-17 to 17 FSU or whatever the final score was. With what, was the, what was the
1: game when Christian ran for 700 yards on the ground?
0: Well, that was, that was not that year. That was maybe 09, uh, maybe 08. No, maybe 08 it was in the because that was in south florida would
1: have expected that to happen
0: yeah so i guess what i'm saying is when you talk about you know even joe just commented on jimbo being a good play caller and i think that's true sometimes i think the frustration comes in because there's a mistake here there's a mistake here there's a mistake here and the play doesn't work and it becomes you know his offense he wants it to be a jack of all trades so that whatever the defense does there's an answer for it but sometimes you're not a master of none i mean you're a master of none when when that's your philosophy it's it's back to those age-old cliches if you have two starting quarterbacks you have no starting quarterbacks
1: if you play to loo- not to lose you never win and 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 this is a game you've got to make sure that you play to win and you've got to be aggressive and i think joe hit on it we'll talk about it more with with tim but this game will be won and lost we talked about games being won and lost in the line of scrimmage and we generally mean both sides this game will be won and lost with how florida state's offensive line slows down i won't even say control but slows down this
0: miami defensive front but you got to do some things but you got to move the pocket you got to have some bootlegs mixed in you you got some help you got to give them some help and if if the reason that we're not seeing the tight end involved is because blackman's not comfortable throwing over the middle where there's a lot more bodies and well, then, then you know, just roll them out and make the easy throw to the tight end. I mean, it's like a one-read play, and I mean, there's got it gets some confidence. You move the sticks, you stay ahead of the chains. There's got to be some of that in here, absolutely. And, and what do you have to lose by running the quarterback? Some at this point, I know what the depth chart looks like, but you're staring at one and three, and and. We just listened to Joe talk about how one of the real strengths from Malik Rozier is that he can run the football. It's it's another player that the defense has to account for if you run the quarterback.
1: It gives you the equivalent of an extra blocker, which certainly Florida State is needed. Uh, I agree with you. Uh, you know, I, I, this is a game with two tights lined up in the eye, and let's just let's just put a hat on somebody and let's shorten the game. You know, I, I think it'll be an entertaining ball game, Tommy. But I think it'll be it'll be a grind game. Uh, that that may not be pretty to watch.
0: See, I think there'll be some good plays in here because there's good athletes in here. I think Miami will make some plays. I think Florida State will get over the top for some I days. hope you're right. I hope you're right, but I doubt you. Well, that's nothing new. I mean, you do that on a regular <laughs> basis. Someone you should never doubt is our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefeld, who got all the questions right last week on all Rapid Fire. All we, of them. We will review that when we continue on Front Row Knowles.
2: Sunday down. I had the radio walk. I was driving. The
3: trees went back. Me and Dale
1: were singing.
2: Front row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith.
0: We are back on Front Row Knowles. We had to break out a little Tom Petty this week. You know, I met his brother. I didn't know that. His brother lives in Tallahassee. I met him 20, 22 years
1: ago. Great, great guy. Never met Tom, uh, but his brother looks looked a
0: little bit like him. Still lives him. in Tallahassee? Still lives in Tallahassee, based on what I've been told. Okay. Did not know that, but obviously a, a tough week uh as we lost that it was an excuse to change the walk-up music as we welcome seminoles.com insider tim lennefeld because tim we couldn't listen to the sound of silence again hello darkness my old friend (laughs) let's say hello to tim on the earl bay we may play it it again next week but we're not playing it this week exactly tim how are you i'm doing great i'm doing great yeah no the
4: the sounds of silence are are over we're back to noise it's a good thing
0: we're learning to fly tim we we got (laughs) one win we are learning to fly okay so uh, you want to recap the good points from Wake Forest or just get straight to Miami? Well, They're kind of anything? one and the same.
4: <laughs> is there, yeah. Is there, is there anything we haven't discussed yet about
0: the Wake Forest game? I don't know. Here's uh, here's what, what Keith and I were talking about last segment. To me this week, obviously there's a lot to clean up on the offensive line. But even if you clean all that up, to me you've got to move Blackman around some. You've got to roll the pocket. you got to do something to help him out against this Miami front seven. What say you?
4: Yeah, I think that's probably right. I don't know that it's a coincidence that Florida State's best offensive play, uh, by far, and that's with, with all due respect to Jacquez Patrick's long run was, you know, moving Blackman, and having him with, with the play fake on the handoff, rolling to his right and scanning down the field. Uh, what do you know? You go, go get a 40 yard touchdown that ends up winning you the game. I, I think that's a good idea. Uh, look, Wake, Wake Forest defensive line, I think is maybe a little bit better than people were giving it credit for, uh, but I think Miami's is better. So that said, one, I mean, the offensive line does need to play better. But two, you need to find ways to mitigate that because if uh, you know if Miami comes close to 17 tackles for loss or whatever the number was uh, against Wake Forest, I don't know that Florida State can survive that. It was it was tough enough against Wake Forest. I don't know that you want to try to replicate that feat.
1: Can Florida State run out of the eye effectively against Miami?
4: I think so. Uh, you know, it was funny you mentioned that because uh, Jonathan Vickers is one of the guys who ha- was pretty steadily praised after the game, maybe more than uh, than anybody other than the obvious candidates. Uh, you know, he was the one, it was his block that helped spring that long run for Jock Westpatrick. Uh, you know, I don't know, uh, you know, when you say run consistently, like, I, I think you'll be able to pick up yards at a time, you know, maybe break off a few four, five, six-yard runs, I don't know that you're going to get the 70-yard run. And, and also, the, the real question I think that, that you're asking there is, if it's third and one and, and you line up and run and are you confident, you can get it. Uh, to me, that's one of the bigger questions of the game. You'd like to think so, especially with Josh patrick and a, and a fullback that's playing well. Uh, I don't know that I know the answer. I think they probably would be able to run it enough. I don't know if it would be enough to you know carry the offense the way it kind of did early in the game uh, against Wake Forest, but I think they'll be able to pick up short yards when they need to now, and, and, and if you're Florida State, you certainly hope you can
1: all right we're talking on wednesday and we got mm-hmm. so we got three more days before the ball game uh, how healthy will this offensive line be i know it's a guess on your part but what what what's your guess uh, my guess is that they'll
4: all probably be there the the big question mark is is Derek kelly uh, but jimbo said on monday that, that he expected everybody to be able to practice and sound like they kind of dodged uh, some uh, some scares there with, with some injuries. I know when we saw Derek Kelly, it probably looked a little bit more serious. But uh, my, my guess, based on everything we've heard and, and seeing the sideline on Saturday, I understand that was a few days ago, is that they probably will have everybody available.
1: What do you, what do you make of? We heard after the game, we heard uh, a little bit on Sunday, and again through uh, Jimbo's uh, presser on Monday about communication issues on both sides of the ball. What what, what do you make of that after after four games or, or going into the fourth game?
4: You know, my thought is I I think back to fall camp and and all the different combinations uh, that we had to use to kind of come up with that starting five and and the thought being basically that even with uh, having the same combination for the last few weeks, these guys really haven't played together all that long and some guys are playing new positions. Derek Kelly didn't come on the scene until late. Uh, Landon Dickerson moved to a different spot. Uh, and, and you just wonder if, if maybe it's taken those guys a little bit longer to, to know the ins and outs of, of their, uh, their their partners, sort of on the line, than you would have thought. That's my only guess. Um, I don't know, you know. I haven't played the offensive line. I'm not sure what goes into you know the the, the communication issues and whatever else. But i used to it. like I said, my only real thought was that by and large, these guys have only been playing together for a little bit more than a month, and there can be some some learning curves and some growing pain.
1: Well, I I made the comment in the first segment and I'll stand by it here in the fourth. Tell them block block whoever's in front of you or block the man to your left or block the man to your right. Everybody put a hat on somebody. I don't want anybody in that backfield that had a hand put on them. Put a helmet on somebody and even if we have to simplify it and get beat because they're physically better than we are, I'd rather get beat that way than uh, with the Olay uh, procedures we've been uh, employing.
4: I think you're you're right on that that last point, Keith. If, if somebody just is physically beats you on a play, I think you can probably live with that. Uh, especially against a team like Miami that has a pretty talented defensive lineman. Where, where you get frustrated is when guys aren't being blocked because of confusion or miscommunication or, or guys not knowing who to block. I think that's the stuff that, as a coach, probably makes you pull your hair out. So, you know, look, man, we'll see. Uh, if, if there's one thing I can say is you're talking to Jimbo on Monday. It's not like he doesn't know. Uh, he, he said that, you know, those guys have to play better. There were things that happened against Wake Forest that just simply can't happen. And uh, and, and they know it, and you know, they're going to work on it and, and try to move forward. Uh, I said I know that may, that may not be the answer that everybody wants to hear, but it, it, in season at this stage of, the, of where things are with the opponent coming on Saturday – uh, and that's, that's basically your option. That's what you got.
0: I've been uh, very quiet here, Tim, because I failed to do my homework. I didn't have the rapid fire questions ready, oh so God. I'm quickly I'm quickly scanning through these. And uh, but before we get to them, before we get to them, we do need to listen to the one from last. You do, you did a stellar job last week, since. unbelievable. So we need to, right, we need right. to give credit where credit. You got a hundred percent on no, last week's there, rapid right. fire. Let's refresh everybody's memory. Number of wins by the Florida State football team this week over under one half. Over. There you go. You got it right. You knew all along that Tate was going to come off the bench, bad shoulder and all, and make the game-winning catch late in the fourth quarter at Wake. I don't remember
4: you putting qualifiers on this back at the time. All I know was, was the question, and I answered it, and I got it right.
1: Well, for the, for the one who always puts qualifiers on his answers,
0: you're calling out Tom Block?
4: At least I do adapt it at the time, versus a week later you're trying to take
0: <laughs> away my time. We're going to get another sound effect for every time you qualify one of your answers on here. <laughs> dum, 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 yeah, we're, dum, I don't know what it's going to be, but we're going to have something else. So are you ready to play this week?
4: Are you ready to play this
0: week? Well, I would be if I could find what the actual over-under is here so I could ask you that. Uh,
4: okay, all right. I'm, I'm do we look- need to
0: stall for a minute? We, we kind of do because I'm trying to Google on my phones or not. what's your favorite game against Miami? What,
1: when did you play them? What was the best one? Well, my my favorite game against Miami is the one we lost, 10-9, uh, to oh, nine, okay. and we were talking to Joe Zagacki uh, prior, the, the, what we refer to as the Jim Burt game, where uh, Stockstill was trying to get a two-point conversion pass over the middle to uh, – Oh, his name, just Phil Williams. Phil Williams, thank you. And uh, Burt jumps up and knocks the ball down. That was just a great, great football game. Uh, We just came out on the short end of it. What's your favorite, Tim?
4: Man, there there are some really good options. Uh, The one that sticks out to me is the one in 93 here uh, on the way to the national championship just because there have been so much heartbreak and, and frustration at the hands of Miami for Florida State. and you knew there was a, a special thing about that 93 team, but I don't know that in, everybody sort of had it, it you had to beat Miami, right? Uh, and, and once you did, that was when I think people really started to buy in and say, hey, you know what? This this can be a special season. They didn't just beat Miami. They beat them pretty emphatically. And I think sort of with that that weight off, everybody could sort of embraced that team and say, hey, you know, Florida State might actually do this thing. All
0: right. Well, apparently Tom has gotten called up. I have, but I will weigh in and say my favorite uh, was the 89 Miami FSU game here. That was... Uh, the year prior had been 31 nothing. The year before that was 26-25, and Florida State won that game 24-10. A lot of folks would say that. It was one of the most memorable nights at Doak. Uh, that was the night that Dexter Carter picked up the flag and put it on Bernard Clark's head, one of the all-time epic shots. <laughs> Google that, youngins, if you don't remember that. All right, here we go with rapid fire. I appreciate you guys stalling. All right, Tim, uh, number of FSU wins this week over under one-half? Over. Will there be a 100-yard rusher for either team? No. Sacks allowed by FSU over under four and a half. Gosh. Under. I forgot that I should be scoring you. Catches by Auden Tate in this game over under seven and a half. Under. TD catches for Auden Tate this week over under a half. Over. Will a UM tight end score a touchdown? Yes. Will a Florida State tight end score a touchdown? No. on the fsu roster the south floridian and i'm using that term loosely so you can go dade county broward county palm beach county which south floridian will have the biggest positive impact for fsu so you got guys like mcfadden's from broward county matthew thomas james blackman i'll let you count i'm sure there's many i'm missing who's gonna have the biggest impact Uh, i'll say mcfadden all right, you like him in the matchup with Amon Richards, I presume, there.
4: I do, and then don not count out Blackman, though.
0: That, qualifier sound, qualifier that's not, sound.
4: That's not a, that's not a qualifier.
0: <laughs> the over-under. How about Matthew Thomas? A, He's been playing well, footnote. too. So, that's yeah. footnote. No, you're right. Look, I had to pick one, right? Yeah, okay. Uh, finally, you did. You picked one. Uh, it, it looks like the over-under is in the 48-50 to 50 range. I'll just say 48-and-a-half. So you're going up or down? Uh, down. All right. And the number of tweets that Tim Brewster will send, the number of times that Tim Brewster will at Luther Campbell, Uncle Luke this week on Twitter. Oh, and we'll, we'll, well run it through know. Sunday, so it'll be post-game as well.
4: well. I don't know if there's a number high enough.
0: <laughs> uh, I'm going to set it. <laughs> uh, to infinity I'll, and I'll make it easier. I'll, I'll set it at three and a half. Oh, boy. Uh, I say over. Over. And, okay. if, and if I'm wrong on that, I'll be disappointed. All right, so we'll have to go back. We'll get our uh, our staff of our, our bevy of interns to look back on Twitter and see how many times Tim Brewster ats Uncle Luke this week. Tim, good stuff. Thanks, guys. All right, we will see him on uh, Saturday. See, you see the fun you're missing on on social media? Keith? No, I'm not. If you've got a do-it-yourself project that needs to be finished, go visit Ron and his knowledgeable staff at Cornerstone Tool and Faster for all your power tool needs. Two locations to choose from, 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway. Call them at 580-1200 or visit them online at ctf.nu.
1: Hashtag KJ Don't Tweet.
0: Front Row Knowles wraps up right after this.
2: We don't need no thought control. No dark sarcasm in the classroom. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith.
0: As we wrap up, KJ, I spent that whole break contemplating the fact, proud of you even, that, that you knew the difference between a hashtag and a hash brown because that was not where the money would have gone. <laughs> the over and under. <laughs> no, I, I would have been all in on hash brown, not so much on hashtag Okay, okay. understood. All right, I'll remind you that uh, we do this show each and every week at 6 o'clock. You can stream it live on the WTSM app. You can uh, head over to ESPNTallahassee.com and under the audio vault, uh, click the drop down menu and find archive shows. Follow us on twitter you can subscribe to the podcast if you follow us on twitter the great thing is you get no interaction with keith so it's it's an even better experience so what i hear
1: you saying is the fact that i know scattered smothered covered and chunked (laughs)
0: exactly is is significant well frankly those are more significant things than twitter which really is a time suck as i've pointed out even though i i i let my time get sucked i guess (laughs) want to continue down that road (laughs) no i don't i want to say so long folks enjoy the game this week and uh we'll talk to you again we do do a show on sunday with the recap 9 a.m and 7 o'clock on sundays you can hear that we'll talk to you then so long everybody
2: Say, oh. Come back and hey, oh, look at what I say, oh The more I see, the less I know, the more I lie